Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the Scottish Housing News podcast. Today, our guests are Anne Leslie, Chief Executive of the Lar Housing Trust, and the Kingdom Group's Director of Housing, Matthew Boucher. Both are CIH award winners, Anne for leadership, and Matthew via Kingdom for delivering customer service excellence. The topic today is mid-market renting, something relatively new in Scotland's housing market, providing about 4,000 homes and growing. Now, there is an argument that the housing market in Scotland is distorted, that private rents are unaffordable and social rents are too low to be viable. Social rented allocation policies lock private renters out of social housing and they also lock homeless people into temporary accommodation. And in spite of huge demand for housing, many houses still lie empty. So we need to do something different and maybe mid-market renting is a thing which could bring Scotland's housing market into balance. So let's find out. First, the basics. So Anne, could we start off with you? What is mid-market renting? Who is it for and typically where is it? Um, so mid-market rent is a form of rental housing that sits in between um, private rent and social rent in terms of the rent level that is charged and the services which are provided. So it uses the private rent and tenancy, the PRT, um, rather than a secure tenancy. And in order to access this uh, housing, there's usually upper um, income thresholds for households. And it's generally provided either by housing association subsidiaries and, and Lars a little bit different. So we, we are, I think we were the first charity actually to be set up to provide solely mid-market housing. Matthew, can you add anything to that? Probably, probably Anne's, Anne's, Anne's covered things there. Um, obviously, as, as, a, as a social landlord, Kingdom provides social rent as well. And we definitely see a place for mid-market rent as, as part of the picture in, in, in Scotland. Um, and there's a there's a there's a clear place um, for it. We see di- di- sometimes different uh, demographics um, within the MMR clientele, um, um, and it certainly provides a a route a, a tenure to to secure housing that isn't open to to others through through either the social housing waiting list or necessarily through the private rented sector. So you see different demographics, but Anne or Matthew, who is who is it for? Who's living in your houses? When MMR was was initially envisaged, we we saw it as something aimed at people who are likely to be working, um, but but people who who maybe couldn't afford um, property on the open private market. Uh, By by and large, that's what we've we've seen to be the case. Um, You you see a higher proportion of people um, working in MMR than than you would in in social rent. Um, That doesn't mean to say that there aren't. Uh, people living in our MLR properties um, who, are, who might be receiving uh, benefit or income support. And typically, where is the MMR housing in Scotland? Um, well, certainly from uh, Lars' portfolio, we've got houses as far apart as Aberdeen, Dunbar, we've got a lot in East Lothian, Edinburgh, Blairgowrie, Ayr, Dun- uh, Glasgow. Um, so really all across Scotland. It tends to work best in areas where the difference between the private rents and the social rents, there's quite a big gap there because then there's a lot of space for mid-market where you can help people that um, have absolutely no chance of getting a social house uh, because they don't score enough points. But on the other hand, they really struggle with the private rents. Um, so that's that's where most of our houses are targeted. But we're actually increasingly finding that the people who come to us, the people who want our housing, Yes, the rent level is very important, but the reasons they come to us are, are not just rent level, it's because they want a good quality home. 
they want a home where they know the landlord is going to fix the repairs, where they know they're not going to be um, you know, asked to leave because the landlord wants to move back in or sell the property. So um, housing is more than just a rent level, it's a home. And uh, it, it's getting those two things to marry up, which means that actually in deprived areas, rural areas, we're finding more and more demand for mid-market rent housing, not just because of the rent, but because of the quality of home that we can provide. Lar and Kingdom are both not-for-profit organisations, as we've mentioned, but they are different. And could you tell us yeah. about Lar, um, its history, and why it chose this sector to concentrate on? Yes, yeah, sure. So um, Lar was set up in 2015 um, to to meet what we perceive to be a, a gap in the market between social housing and and private housing. And at that time, I, I worked at Scottish Futures Trust, which is a government quangle. And we were concerned about people who who were, we seemed to see an awful lot of people who just could not access social housing because they didn't have enough uh, points. And yet they were struggling with really high rents. So um, Scottish Futures Trust put together the business case for LAR and submitted it to the Scottish Government for funding. And we, we decided to set, start LAR up as a, a charity, a SKEO, which is a particular form of charity, which means LAR must always be a charity. So it's not a limited company where you can um, get charitable status and then if, if you don't meet your charitable purposes, then you lose the charitable status, but you continue on as a company. Uh, LAR is all about our charitable purpose. If we, if we lose that, if we don't meet that, Oscar, the regulator, can take our assets, pay off the debts and, and distribute them to other like, like-minded charities. So it's very, very important to us that we are a charity, um, but we're not regulated by the social housing regulator because we don't provide social housing. Um, so anyway, we were started off in uh, 2015 with a £55 million loan from the Scottish Government. So that's a long, long-term low interest rate loan. And one of the conditions of that loan was that we got in equivalent funding from the private sector. So um, we added actually £65 million of that from Scottish Widows uh, Bank of Scotland. So we've got a pot of £120 million from which we've been buying houses in all sorts of different ways, from portfolios to new builds. We've got um, conversions, stalled sites, mothballed sites, greenfield sites, a lot of refurbishments, and increasingly um, taking empty homes and, and reproviding them into houses all across Scotland. Matthew, we've heard there about large role within the mid-market rent sector in Scotland, but what has Kingdom's contribution been? I mean, I, I remember even by the end of 2015, Kingdom had delivered more than 250 of these units across Fife and beyond. So where did it all begin? What were the reasons behind the decision to move into this sector? And can you also explain the need for the uh, Kingdom Initiatives subsidiary? Okay, yeah, of course. Um, so I suppose, to go back to the, sort of the, the, the drivers of, of this for us, I think there the, the was a need identified. Um, Particularly, we could, we could see people that were unable to access housing through um, social rent waiting lists, for example, but there was also knowledge that there were people who were unable to access um, housing affordably on the on the private market too. Um, twinned with that, drivers around um, subsidy um, as a developing housing association and looking to uh, develop our, grow our portfolio um, and, and, and support housing need um, across society actually um, came a point where um, you know, we were talking about you know, subsidy for social rent made, made building their wholesale um, less attractive and actually subsidies for mid-market rent making 
mid-market rent development viable, um, which was partly contributed to the initial um, 200 and 250 odd units that you, you're talking about there. Um, we we have, although some of the uh, some of the subsidies is, is now um, not so not so diverse in, in terms of it is driving investment in both tenures. Um, we have continued to expand our mid-market rent operation. Uh, we're developing our new developments are split roughly seventy percent social rent, thirty percent mid-market rent now, and that's that's continuing continuing year on year. And uh, that, that two hundred and fifty. Um, units that you referenced has grown to around 750 now um, with continued uh, plans to expand that. The Kingdom Initiatives um, is a subsidiary of Kingdom Housing Association. Um, so Kingdom Housing Association as a, as a regulated uh, social landlord and charity is unable to deliver profit-making activities um, of which, of which mid-market rent is, 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 is one. That is a feature of mid-market rent. Um, so all our MMR activity is, is driven through um, kingdom initiatives benefits for the, for the housing association as a as a group um, with the wider kingdom group is that it counts obviously it is a contribution towards uh, meeting housing need uh, across the areas that we operate in there are also benefits back to the housing association as a as a parent within the group where, where profits made that can be gift aided back into the housing association from kingdom initiatives and um, to support activities that the housing association is, is taking forward. Something that I've noticed is that the Scottish Housing Regulator governs Kingdom but not LAR and so there's two different kinds of governance here. What's the advantages and disadvantages of each? To take the Kingdom side, I, I mean I think the I mean, obviously, the, the, the housing regulator does have an interest in in, in the, the the social rented side, and also by extension, the work that subsidiary companies do within within Kingdom. And um, I suppose that there is an element that some of the MMR activity does fall outside of the um, housing regulator's remit, and in, in, in terms of somehow it's delivered, although it is an area of interest for the for the regulator. It's quite interesting to, to, to note the discussions ongoing at the moment, for example, through the, the Scottish governments to talk about the regulation of the, of the whole rented sector, potentially. And there's that consultation ongoing at the moment, uh, which, which might look at bringing in some form of regulation for the, for the PRS as well, which would take in mid-market rent operation. Um, so there's some changing horizons coming, potentially. How, how that's going to work for our organisation is something that is going to need careful careful watching um, because the, 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 there is an area there you, you might have potentially two two regulators both both interested in in in, in other in the bits that overlap there but that, that that's something that's evolving and we'll we'll wait and see. And at the moment you enjoy regulation by Oscar rather than by the housing regulator. Why did you choose that approach? And are you worried about these changes that Matthew says are coming? Um, so the Scottish Housing Regulator regulates social housing, not mid-market. So it wasn't really appropriate for us to seek regulation um, with the social housing regulator. Um, we, we actually find our governance structures are are, are really, um, they're really good. There is a lot of control there from Oscar. We're very, very mindful of the fact that we are a charity. That, that actually is our main focus the whole time. 
and I've got an excellent board who provide a whole heap of support and guidance and advice, but but also quite a rigorous um, you know, governance structure just to make sure that, that the executive team and all the staff are doing their job and we are doing uh, things properly and in the right way. So, um, so I, I think what we need to focus on is appropriate governance rather than um, too much governance. If you've got too much governance coming from all sorts of different places with loads of different rules, then what you actually find is that you, your hands are tied and, and, and um, it's not appropriate governance. It's just too much governance and it can get in the way. So if you've a streamlined system, it actually can work a lot better. Um, most mid-market rent tenants appear to be young uh, in the 20 to 35 age range, according to uh, an Indigo study in 2019. Uh, Matthew, first, is that your experience and why do you think that it attracts this group? Um, I mean, our, our experience is maybe that the, the average age is a, is, a, is a wee bit older than that, mm. um, closer to the sort of 35, 40 bracket. We've, we've mentioned already, I think, that by and, by and large, we see um, mid-market rent tenants in, in, in work, but they're needing a reasonable income to, to afford the, the rents. Um, and that tends to lend itself perhaps to people who are not in start out jobs um, and, and, and potentially brings brings old, older age brackets um, into into the equation there. Um, so I so, say, yeah, I mean, our, our experience tends to be that the age brackets are a wee bit higher. But that, that said, some of that is possibly around our um, development portfolio. We're currently looking to expand uh, mid-market rent offering away from being traditionally built around sort of two bed um, flats, looking to expand that. And, and with that, we may see a change in, in, in demographic profile. We certainly think there's opportunity there to broaden out the, 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 the range of, of clients that we, we offer MMR to. And, and what are the typical demographics of LAR tenants? Okay, so our tenants are um, slightly different demographics. So we, we have quite a lot of younger people. So we've got a lot of people who are moving to LAR as their, their first flat. Um, they're maybe newly in relationships um, or leaving home for the first time. So um, we do have quite a lot of, of the kind of 20 to 30 age group. We also have quite um, about 20% are um, over 50. So we've got a, and actually a growing number of older people. Um, but as Matthew said, a lot of this depends on your on your portfolio. So what you've got to offer. Most of our most of our properties are two bed properties um, and and one bed properties, and we are actually increasing the number of three three bedroom properties that we get um, and that we're building and we're buying. So with that will come a lot more families. And in, in terms of jobs that they do, again, we've got the, the highest proportion are people in admin jobs. So receptionists, secretaries, we've got a lot of people who work for the NHS. That's actually the second biggest uh, group of where people work. And we actually have a lot of people who work in manual labor in factories, that kind of thing. Um, smaller, smaller hospitality, but then this survey that I'm uh, referring to, it was done during lockdown. So um, I would expect that, that proportion to increase if we, when we repeat it next year. Scottish Government guidance says there should be no discrimination against the source of the income of your prospective tenants. In other words, people on pensions or on benefits shouldn't be excluded. But both your organisations aim your properties at working people. So can people who are homeless or dependent on, say, disability benefits access mid-market rent with you and in general? Yes. Yes, they can. So it, we, we actually have quite a, a strong relationship with um, the homeless prevention teams in quite a few council areas. And um, we actually get quite a lot of referrals, particularly in um, the Lothians from homeless prevention teams. 
In fact, just before we came on today, I was checking our, our lettings inbox and there was an email in there from from a guy who um, is looking for a flat for, from us and um, you know he's earning a salary within the 20, you know over twenty thousand pounds and he's living in his van. So you know it's it, people have um, housing needs from all sorts of different for all sorts of different reasons. So um, the more housing we can provide, the more people we can help. Um, unfortunately, I'm sitting here today and we have zero empty properties out of the 665 across the whole of Scotland. So, you know, we, we put people on our inquiries list and, and help them when we can. But um, that's why we're really focused on trying to increase the supply of mid-market rent housing, just as social housing needs to be increased and, and actually it's really good quality private housing too. So um, it, it's, it's, an, it's an issue that we're all working together to try and get the best solution for, for, for people out there. And Matthew, I, mean, I don't know if you've got an answer to this question, but how about older people? I mean, is there an opportunity for older people, say, living on pensions, to to access mid market renting? Absolutely, as 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 answered. I mean, our our MMR scheme is 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 completely blind of income source. Um, you, you can you can apply regardless of your income source. And the the, the key the key question is around is around affordability. Um, in order to sustain a tenancy longer term. Um, so so we, we do have a spread of people across across age brackets. One of the advantages we have with the Kingdom Initiatives being part of the broader Kingdom Group is we have tenancy sustainment services as part of the Kingdom Group, um, where we offer things like money advice, energy advice, uh, services across across the group, and help to support people to, who have changes in their income circumstances whilst they're in the market rent to, to stay in those tenancies or find a pathway into social housing if that's if that's appropriate. Um, so we've got those kind of things which 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 are which are working to support people, particularly around you know, changes in economic circumstances. But for, for pensioners and no no reason at all why pension income can't bought mid market rent tenancy. Just been at the site this morning and we're looking at a new development in, in Schoon in Perthshire which is aimed at people fifty five plus and um, it's going to be a mid market rent development. So Talking about what might need to be operational on the ground there, how how we might develop support networks for, for residents and make a sustainable community there. So um, lots of interesting stuff. It takes you back to the design of the of the property portfolio and then figuring out where from there you can support the, the community to build from there. And LAR has had success in bringing existing empty properties back into use for mid market rent. What are the particular challenges in this approach? Oh, right. Um, <laughs> Well, the first challenge, it depends on the state of the property that you're buying um, originally. So we've we've bought properties which are just a complete shell and we've brought, bought ones which are not to the standard that we would like them to be at. And the amount of work you have to do to each is, is very different. So if I'm thinking about the recent ones we've done, there was a, a tenement block in Nidri that uh, Edinburgh City of Edinburgh Council um, asked us if we could do anything with. And we were delighted, absolutely fabulous. It's the last remaining block in, in, in that row in Nidri. Everything else has been demolished and rebuilt. Fabulous looking new, new builds, actually. And that, that development needed a complete strip out. So the walls were left and the roof was left, or most of the roof was left, and that was about it. It, you know, internal walls were knocked around, new insulation, new windows, new plumbing, new wiring, new, new everything. Um, and it's for, again, a specific target tenant group, so uh, disabled housing. So uh, the, the spec for those units was, was very high. 
but um, it was it was an absolutely fantastic project to do. It was great to work with the council, great to work with the health and social care partnership. Being our first disabled housing or, or specialist housing, um, they were really, really helpful, even down to the colour of the paint in the walls. So we'd use Shetland sweater, which is a lovely colour of paint, and it's non-reflective, so good for people with autism. And so we learned a lot from it, and um, and it worked out quite nicely. Sometimes it, it, it's very difficult. If you buy something that's empty and it's listed, say, or in a conservation area, you're not sure exactly what you're going to get planning permission for. So to give you an example, we bought a site at Port Edgar, um, which is the old naval barracks, and there's 400 windows in this development um, and, you know, not, not a pane of glass in it. They're all smashed and it, it, all the buildings are listed. So if we have to take the, the frames that are there and reprovide them and put in double glazing in what was a single single glazed pane, um, the costings for that, uh, it's about £2,000 per, per window. If we were to, I know, huge. Um, if we were to put in um, really good quality UPVC, it's eight hundred pounds per window. So you're talking over the, that project about half a million pounds worth of, of difference. So, um, so when you don't know exactly what you're allowed to do, what you'll be able to do, getting the viability right from a costing perspective and also a timing perspective, because clearly taking out frames and reprovising them will take a lot longer than ordering a job lot of, of you know good quality other windows. So. Um, so there's a lot more risk involved if you if you take empty properties and and um, reprovide them. But the carbon capture you've got there is absolutely fantastic. Though you're working within communities, you're usually taking something that is the worst building in the street and you're making it nice. So you don't just make that building nice; you make the whole area better. Um, and it also means that most of our tenants, they come from the local area. So uh, one development we did recently, 95% um, of the first let tenants had grown up or already lived within two miles of that development. Um, but there just wasn't enough appropriate accommodation for them. So, so it really is local housing for local people. Matthew, Kingdom appears to concentrate on new build properties and you've mentioned you would like to do more. Is Empty properties, one thing that you're looking at, and what about rural areas? It's absolutely correct. New, new builds being the, the the driver um, for for our development profile, and that's that's fitted within our um, business growth strategy, and also fitted, obviously within within what our local authority partners are looking to do in terms of supporting, um, you know, bringing bring accommodation into the affordable housing sector. Um, I think we we do do work already we take, we take not just our own new development but we take um off the shelf um schemes um, to support bringing housing into the affordable housing sector some some interesting work we've been doing the past few years actually the benefit of having the kingdom initiative subsidiary within within the wider housing association group is that we've been able to um, take on um some national housing trust schemes and these are pro um, schemes that were set up as mid-market rent five years or so ago and as part of the conditions of those tenancies the properties were to be offered for sale after the five-year period to um to, to to tenants um and lots of cases tenants are not taking up options to, to to sell and local authorities are looking to keep those properties within the affordable housing sector and we've been able to work with fife and flat manager councils in the past couple of years to to bring schemes into MMR stream with us um, and ultimately Scottish Government funding is supporting 
those homes to move back into the social housing stream as well um, as, as part of those uh, transactions. So um, I think there's, there are areas where we're, we're contributing to growing growing the MMR stock as well as the wider um, social housing place that's not just focused on, on building. In terms of rural areas, we, we do look at development of, of mid-market rent across all areas that we operate in, five, five mainly, which has been a historic uh, base, but all across five we've got um, development. Um, but, but similarly, as we've expanded in, in, in Clackmannanshire and, and Perth and Kinross, now we're, we're developing in, in, in new areas um, because the, there, is, there is demand for, for multi-tenure um, development and we're keen to support multi-tenure development genuinely where there is different tenures available on on sites um, so that people have you know a range of housing options and um, that we're supporting mixed communities and um, so that's not very much part of our our way of thinking in, in terms of purely empty properties i guess it's, it's not something we've done wholesale um to, to date but we are keen to explore new opportunities for for, for growth and development and and, and certainly, um, it, it's 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 something that we would be interested in in, in looking at developing if the right opportunities uh, became available to us. And you mentioned attracting private finance from Scottish widows back in 2015. Are the rents high enough nowadays to attract this sort of investment? Has the emergence of ESG helped in that? Wireless finance is is made up of a mixture of cheap government debt, so fully repayable. We don't take grants. We we just have have debt. So for the taxpayer, absolutely fantastic because all the money gets repaid to government and then the government can recycle it into more housing or into whatever is needed at that time. And the other half of it, just over half of it, is more expensive private debt. So so the way our model works is you take those two interest rates, mash them together, you blend it, and then that blended interest rate, the interest we have to, to pay on those loans, um, together with the operating costs, life cycle costs, repair costs, all, all the other costs uh, and capital repayment um, are met by the rents. Could you do mid-market without any heap sub-debt? It would be very, very difficult. It's really the Scottish Government loan that enables LAR to do what it does, and that is what enables our rents to be set at lower than market rent. Social Reddit tenants are consulted about their <coughs> rent levels and they will often say the rents are too high or choose the lower of three rent raise options. Is there an argument to say that the Scottish Government funding would be better spent on social rent housing which more people could afford? Yes, yes, I suppose you, you could say that. Um, we, we, could, we could build a lot more social housing than we're currently doing and not exhaust the, the social housing lists. And there would still be people who, who wouldn't access housing through that through that route. Um, and I think if if, we're, if you're viewing MMR as a as a, a space within the, the broader housing market as a place to support people on lower incomes, particularly where it's key jobs, people working in health services, or then I think MMR's definitely got a, a space on that because there is that clear need to provide that affordable rented space. Um, you know, there is a, a demographic out there that, that warrants the, the, the spend. Nan, what would you say to uh, those against MMR and think that it should not have a place in the housing landscape in Scotland? I haven't actually come across many people who, who've expressed that view. I think, as Matthew said, there is a need for lots of tools in your toolbox. So absolutely, we need social housing. Absolutely, we need mid-market rent rent housing and LCHO and all the different tenures and I think 
Um, you know, people are all individuals. We all have different needs. We have all different requirements. And I think to exclude a particular tenure of housing because there is another one that is also needed would be a mistake. I introduced this podcast by saying that the housing market was out of sorts and maybe mid-market rent could be the different thing that could bring it all back into balance. Is that a pipe dream or is that actually your aspiration? Anne? Yeah, I would love to uh, have more balance to the housing market. I think there are a lot of really good things going on out there. Um, I don't have a housing background. I, I spent my career as a lawyer, so coming rather late into the day in this, it's been, you know, it's a fabulous sector to work in. Everybody is, is very friendly. You know, LAR has been welcomed by councils. It's been welcomed by housing associations. Everybody has been very generous with their time and their advice. And... You know, what, what really strikes me is that almost everybody I've met in, in housing, yes, it's about bricks and mortar, but the most important thing is their tenants. And, you know, they, they, they really care about their tenants, their tenants' lives, and they want to provide, everybody wants to provide the best home that they possibly can for that person and the best service. So, yes, there's still work to do, but, you know, I think we, we also need to stand back and look at how far housing has come and um, how, how good the sector is at working together and fixing problems. And what do you think, Matthew? What kind of proportion of the housing rented market do you think mid-market renting will will take over the next few years? Maybe to put a figure on it, it's, it's, it's taken a bit of a, a, a stab in the dark. I suppose there's, you know, there's all sorts of questions in there about funding, land, what, what else happens in the, in the environment. I, I certainly think from a, from a Kingdom perspective, it is very much our intention, as I said earlier, to, to, to carry on growing. Will, will, will MMR itself fix whatever issues there are in the housing market? Well, no. Um, it is about a, a basket of products, I guess, options that, that, that suit individual needs, requirements, allow people choice, flexibility, and mm-hmm. um, takes you back to, as Anne said, you know, providing for tenants, customers at the end of the day, if, if we're producing something that works for them, that's affordable for them, then that in itself justifies you know, continuing to develop and provide that, that, that source of, of, of housing. And last question is for Anne. The name LAR, I believe, means low affordable rents, but is it just a coincidence it's a Gaelic for floor? <laughs> I didn't know that, actually. Um, LAR is also the Roman god of the household, so um, yeah, there's um, more and more meanings to LAR coming out. I think it's also Portuguese for home. Yeah. So, it, uh, yeah, so... And on Scottish Housing News, we featured uh, the sad passing of Rani Deer over the last week. You said some really kind words about her and your appreciation. Uh, would you like to expand on that? Rani was just amazing. She was the type of person that um, you met her once and you would remember her forever. She was just full of life, just really, really funny, witty, really cared about tenants. Um, I was just reflecting actually the other week about her time flower and I pulled up her CV just to, to have a look. And I actually can't believe that LAR as a new start company was so lucky to have Rani as part of our board. Everybody in housing knows, knows Rani. And, you know, somebody who was, she was on the Kalman Commission. She was um, named as one of Scotland's top 100 most influential businesswomen in Scotland by the Herald. She had an MBE. She was on the board of Erskine. She chaired community health partnerships. She, she was even the, a non-exec director of Lloyd's TSB Scotland. So uh, she, she had such a wide experience base that, 
um, her advice, her help, um, it was absolutely unstinting and she was absolutely part of the family here. We're just missing her dreadfully. Well, I worked with Rani a wee bit when I was at the SFHA and she was always helpful and supportive, so yeah. she'll be sadly missed. But and thank you to everybody for, for their kind words. We, we've had quite, quite a lot of feedback um, after the Scottish Housing News article and a lot of people expressing their um, their sadness at Rani's passing and also what, what a fantastic character she was and, and how they, they loved her dearly. Well, thanks to both our guests. To Anne Leslie, uh, Chief Executive of Lara Housing Trust, and to Matthew Busher, Kingdom's Director of Housing, and to my co-host Kieran Finlay, we'll be back again with another podcast in two weeks' time. We'll be looking at procurement, and we'll also be looking at Hillcrest's innovative construction methods in a new development at the waterfront in Dundee. And so until next time, thank you and goodbye.